Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us yet again for another episode today. I'm here with my friend, Debbie Neff. Debbie, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. Sure, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And and I mentioned this to you before we started recording. I, I feel a little bit bad for not actually doing this interview in person because you're not too far away from me. I'm in the Chattanooga area and you're in the Atlanta area, correct? That's correct. And yes, I would have totally driven up to Chattanooga just to visit. It really is such a great area. And for those of you listening in, if you've never been to Chattanooga before, Debbie and I were actually talking about this before we started recording as well. But it is home to actually, from what I understand, still the largest freshwater aquarium in the country. And mm-hmm. it is absolutely stunning. I used to take my kids all we had a membership there and I used to take my kids all the time when they were growing up, because you, you can go time after time after time and kind of get a, a different perspective or see something new each time you go. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. So if you've never been to Chattanooga before, make sure you come visit. But Debbie is here with us to, today to talk about a pretty important topic, and that's the the topic of overcoming burnout. And we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But uh, first of all, Debbie, we, we normally start with something that we call the technique for time. I'm curious to hear from you if there's something in particular that you do in your day-to-day, week-to-week workflow that enables you to create time or space for yourself as a photography business owner. Sure. And I'm still actually trying to figure out how to work in time management to my workflow. But one of the big things, and we were discussing this earlier, is outsourcing. I do outsource a lot of my editing and culling, which has saved a lot of time in my business. Uh, specifically with photographers at it. And also another thing that I found that works for me on a day-to-day basis is that when I'm starting a project, say I'm starting a wedding, editing a wedding, I will start with realistic goals each day. Hmm. Um, For instance, I will say I'm going to get through the getting ready pictures and the ceremony pictures today. And I know I can achieve that in one day. And if I do more than that, that's great. But if I just do that much, then I've done what I wanted. And I think just having the realistic goals has helped me a lot. And during the day when I'm working on those goals, I also have found that it helps me to take what I call commercial breaks. I'll work for like 30 to 45 minutes, Yes. stop on it, and then I have to take just a 15 to 30 minute break doing something entirely different. And I found that that actually makes me more productive. It seems like it wouldn't, but it, it makes me more productive just to take a break to go read a book or you know watch TV or check social media or something. Yeah. I found that that helps a lot in my daily workflow. hundred percent. Well, this is great. So we, we already have a lot of tangible advice from you. And, and, and I really love that we're starting off this way. You mentioned Photographer's Edit, and we don't talk about Photographer's Edit a whole lot on the podcast, but one of the things that, that we ultimately are really the primary benefit that, that we are providing to photographers is the very thing you mentioned, time. While, yes, we handle custom editing for wedding and portrait photographers, 
the biggest benefit at the end of the day is time. And it's time certainly to spend with the important people in your life, but then it's also time to do things that'll actually build your business. And, and that's where those the, the biggest benefit comes in. But the other thing that you mentioned too, that's really interesting to me, and this is I've been reminded of the significance of this as of late as well, is breaking your really what they are as, as projects into multiple steps into manageable steps and we've talked about this before with regards to project and task management but it's really important that photographers as business owners differentiate between what a project and a task is a project is made up of multiple steps and then the task is one of those individual steps and if you right. if you look at something that is a project like calling a, a wedding for example that you know when you have 2 3 4000 images it can be extremely overwhelming but you break that up into multiple steps it's a lot more manageable a lot less overwhelming you're a lot less likely to to kind of put it off when you're looking at a less a daunting project and and so i love that you make that that point as well i think that's so important and then working in short spurts of time that i'm a huge huge fan of this just about pretty much anything actually working in smaller short quick bursts of time putting a lot of effort into that uh, and okay. then taking a step back versus kind of drawing it out over an extended period of time where you know you're only giving maybe 50% or 60 or 70%. I, I like the short kind of high-intensity bursts of time. And I, mean, I apply this to my exercise, yes. to, to my work. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of applicable all over the place. Um, so I'm glad yes. that you point that out as well. Yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's almost like interval training. Yes, um, 100%. And, yes. <laughs> yes, the bite-sized projects. I, that's exactly what I use every day. And it's, it's worked so well in my business. So I encourage it. Well, so with this time that you're creating, the free time that we're talking about, how do you like to spend it? What, what's, like, what's something that just comes to, to mind when you think about what you like to do with your free time? Oh, well... My husband and I, we are big foodies. We love trying different restaurants, different cuisines. We love traveling to areas that are close by. Like um, we can go down to Midtown Atlanta and try places. But we also, when we have like a free weekend, a rare free weekend, we'll take a short day trip up to like Greenville, South Carolina or Chattanooga. And we just love trying different restaurants. And so we love spending time together through food, but also, um, I play tennis as, you know, kind of, you know, a way to exercise and to, you know, relax actually because of, you know, getting the endorphins and whatnot from it. We play tennis together. We used to play in the leagues and competitions. Wow. Um, but now it's just, yeah, now it's just for fun. We just play against each other and he always wins. Of course, <laughs> but he let me win one time. He says he didn't let me win. But did. <laughs> did you play in school <laughs> yeah. as well? No, I didn't play in school. Um, I started playing when I was kind of in my mid twenties and it's just one of those games that, you know, it's a lifelong game. You can play it well into your eighties and nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just keeps you strong and it's great for mental health too, because it's such a mental game. Right. So yeah, that's even to the extent of kind of challenging your reflexes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's something that we do in our free time. That's really great. I, and you mentioned being a foodie and even coming up to Chattanooga, the, there's a restaurant here in Chattanooga called Aaliyah. Have you been to Aaliyah before? I haven't. So the next time you're up here, I definitely need to try it. It is, I like not just eating great food, but also in a really cool environment. And Aaliyah has yeah. a very kind of community driven environment. It feels very warm. The lights are low. You have an mm. open kitchen 
and uh, or at least a semi-open kitchen, but then they have this long, massive, massive community-style table, in addition to some some other tables and booths. Um, that's okay. that's really, really cool. And then kind of at the far end of that table, they have, I guess, what amounts to just multiple candles that have burnt and melted, and they just let the, the wax kind of run down cool. over the table. And it's just this really cool. cool look. Yeah, not something that you see yeah. very often, but it's a, for, for a really great atmosphere, a cool place to go mm-hmm. have a meal. Definitely check out Aaliyah. And again, for those of you listening in, if you ever visit Chattanooga, you got to do that. The other place I'll recommend, too... Uh, is a place called 210 Jack. And I think they've got one up in Nashville as well. But if you've never had really good Japanese ramen noodles, mm, yeah. this this place is absolutely out of this world. I grew up in Japan. I'm not sure if I've ever had broth that was quite like, or maybe even quite as good as the broth at 210 Jack. It's absolutely incredible. So I'd highly recommend wow. that as well. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Now you just gave me an excuse to come. Awesome. Perfect. Well, tell us something kind of random that most people don't know about you. I I love this question. I guess the thing that most people don't know about me is that I used to be a figure skater. Really? Yeah. I started a little too late in life though with it. And I had the dream of, you know, going to the Olympics, but I was just, I was too old by the time I started and I actually ended up coaching it for a little bit and got hurt and kind of went in another direction. But yeah, I started figure skating when I was in my teens and had Olympic dreams, but they just didn't happen. Oh, wow. What, what, was, the, <laughs> like, what was the draw about figure skating? What did you find so fascinating about it? The, I guess the artistry of it, I mm. just think it's really beautiful to watch and, you know, the music and the movement together and it is hard. It's a very yeah. hard sport, harder than you would think. And those figure skaters are strong. Like, yes. They're very, very strong people. So yeah, it, it was just, it's always been something I enjoyed watching on TV and I finally got a pair of skates one day and, you know, got out there on the ice and. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, you mentioned the art of it, but I simultaneously was was thinking about the physicality of it. It's an interesting combination where you have this beautiful, yeah. beautiful movement, and yet the the amount of effort, physical effort that goes into creating those movements is pretty incredible, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And just feel like you're breaking a lot of physics with all the, you know, jumping and twirling yeah. in the air. <laughs> absolutely. Um, that, that's always one yeah. of the favorites to watch during the Winter Olympics. You talk about the Olympics and, and yeah. the physical uh, exertion required, especially for the couple's skate, is just mind-boggling to, to watch. But oh, it is gosh. so beautiful. And the amount of trust you have to have in your partner when you're doing the couple's skating is intense. It's a lot of trust. I bet. Did you ever get into to the couple skating side of things? I, I didn't, no. But I can only imagine just, you know, trusting somebody not to let you fall to drop you. Yeah. When you're getting thrown up in the air. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So no, I, and even the ice dancers, I just think they're phenomenal. So beautiful. Just like they flow across the ice. Yeah. Oh no, it really is a beautiful sport, and and uh, kudos to you for even going as far as you did, because that that is well, definitely a, um, a, a well. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming to think about the skill necessary to do something like that. I have a hard enough time. There's a there's a little uh, skating rink that pops up every year in Chattanooga, right next to the Chattanooga. Choo- Actually, they've been building it in the Chattanooga Choo Choo property uh, in oh. the last year or two. But 
Mm-hmm. I get on I get on the ice and I can barely move around. Like I'm 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 pretty stoked if I can just move around the tiny little rink and not you know fall down or yes. um, bust my knee or something. But yeah, to go get, go beyond that is definitely an exception to the rule. And and yeah. I, I can imagine was a, a really beautiful experience. It was yes, definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about photography. I know that you offer wedding engagement photography, but talk to us a little bit about how you got into photography. How did you get started? Well, I have been a professional wedding photographer about four years now, and I actually started right after I got married. And the reason that happened is because while I was planning my own wedding, I just fell in love with the whole process Mm. and the whole everything about weddings, the glitz, the glamour, the romance, everything. (laughs) After my own wedding, I was like, I really want to continue with this. I really want to find a way into the wedding industry. And I was, you know, just brainstorming one day about it and realized that I've always been natural with photography. I've studied it in art school, uh, almost majored in it, but I went into graphic design instead. Okay. I figured out that I would really enjoy taking pictures. At weddings. So I gave it a try. I, um, you know, researched it a lot and studied it a lot and started second shooting with wedding photographers and found that I really loved it. And it, it started out as something I was kind of doing as just a little bit of a hobby, kind of a little bit of a wedding fix for me. Sure. And eventually blossomed into this business that I have today. And I never expected it to be where it is and I'm more than thrilled about it and so fortunate. But yeah, it it started with my own wedding, I guess you could say. And actually my first wedding I shot was eight years ago. Wow. And it was it was during a time that I was not even wanting to be a photographer. It was just that my best friend was getting married. And she knew that I had gone through photography courses in school and she knew that I had a nice camera. So she asked me to photograph her wedding. Of course, I was terrified about the whole idea of doing that. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it it forced me to learn a lot about wedding photography at that time. And, you know, it all went great. And I found that I I did enjoy it and I loved it. But it, it wasn't the time for me yet. I wasn't as involved in weddings at that time. So, yeah, it, it's kind of funny that, you know, eight years ago was my first wedding, but I didn't actually open my business until four years later, you know. Do you still look back? Like, do you look back at those images from eight years ago? Oh, and- my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do. And, you know, she was so thrilled with the pictures. Oh, good. Like, I feel like we should redo this now. <laughs> I've come a long way. Yeah, it was so bad back in that time that I just relied so much. I didn't know really how to work a camera, you know, like I do now, like in manual mode and everything. Sure. So a lot of her pictures, which is very heavily Photoshopped. Um, fortunately, I did know Photoshop very well back then because of my graphic design experience. But um, yes, of course. I look back and I kind of laugh at the pictures a little bit. <laughs> I think I think we all do that in one one way or another. I, it, it, the yes. least that you can say is looking at those old pictures, you've improved in some way, right? You didn't stay stagnant. Absol- oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think sometimes it's good to yeah um, look at where how far you've come yeah. in the, your journey. So yeah, it's a great it's point. Totally, totally fine. Yeah. You mentioned studying graphic design. Has that played any kind of role in the way that you approach your photography business or the way that you photograph? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, in design school, you learn, you know, a lot of composition and you can totally bring that into your photography, too. It's definitely helped me with things in my business, like designing my website and my logo and all my branding I've designed myself. So that's definitely been very helpful. So yeah, it, I, I, I can definitely tie the two together very well. That's really, really great. Yeah, I can imagine, especially when it comes to composition to the way that you look at a scene that, that can mm-hmm. be heavily influenced by that, that graphic design background. What would you say Absolutely. is your, your photography business's brand position or what differentiates you from photographers in the very vast Atlanta market? Oh, gosh, yes. The Atlanta market is very saturated. So you do have to find a way to stand out a little bit. And I think for me, it's just that there are three words that I figured out that describes my brand the best. And I use it kind of as my little tagline for my business. And the three words are natural, dreamy, and romantic. And those are the three words that basically describe my approach to how I'm shooting pictures and how I'm editing pictures. I want them to have all three of those qualities. Hmm. And I think it's important to figure out a few words that would describe what your style is so that you can always be consistent with it so that your clients are going to know they're going to get pictures that look natural. They're dreamy and romantic. I just think that those those words are what I would want in my own pictures from from my wedding. So I apply them to what I do. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, then then your I guess the the individuality kind of comes out in the imagery that you're creating, and and uh, I think that's that's a beautiful way to go about business. It certainly enables you to be. We're going to be talking about this here in a second, but it minimizes the potential burnout when you get to run your business and photograph the way that you want to versus the way that somebody else is telling you to, or the way that you feel like you have yeah. to. Absolutely. And if you are doing your brand positioning correctly, your clients will know what to expect. So they won't ask for anything outside of what you love to do. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really does largely come down to managing expectations. I think that's a mm-hmm. brilliant point, actually. How do you mm-hmm. then effectively communicate that position to your potential clients? I mean, is, is it done through your website or do you kind of wait until you actually get a chance to meet them or do you even meet with clients in, in person most of the time? I do meet with clients when they request it before the booking process, but I think probably my website is what I use mostly as the tool for um, describing my brand. I've made sure that the layout and the theme of it, uh, you know, represents those three words that I've mentioned. And I, I curated the galleries in there specifically to show those three aspects of my branding. So when somebody goes to my website, they're going to see a consistent look throughout the pictures and they're going to know that that's how I approach all weddings. What would you say is the the toughest lesson that you've learned as a business owner so far? Oh my gosh, there's so many, so, so many. Probably my hardest lesson to learn has been to let go of things I can't control. Mm. I am somebody that is, I love to be prepared. I love to know exactly what to expect. I love for things to happen the way that, you know, I've been told they're going to happen. But with weddings, it's just impossible to 
always have things go exactly how they're supposed to. You know, timelines get behind all the time or things just aren't happening the way they're supposed to or it's raining. And I used to, in the beginning, really freak out about those moments when I just was out of control. And I've had to learn, and it's been only recently that I've really learned to step back from those moments when I'm out of control and just let things flow the way they're going to flow. Still, you know, do my job, of course, but don't stress out about it as much. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting conversation and probably a podcast in and of itself, but the the significant role that a desire for control over things mm-hmm. plays in the amount of stress that we experience as human beings and certainly as photographers is an interesting point of conversation, I think. And to take a step back, realize that you, at the end of the day, you really don't have any control and learning how mm-hmm. to most effectively go with the flow is a is a big, big lesson to learn. How, how do you, I guess, how do you live that out consistently, especially in, in the chaos, which is, is weddings? I mean, what, is it a, is it a matter of being prepared ahead of time technically, or is there, is there something else that plays into that? Yes. Um, being prepared beforehand definitely helps like checking, you know, the weather forecast. So, you know, is it a high chance of rain that day? So I'll know that I need to expect to find overhangs or things like that put the couple under our, you know, talking with the coordinator beforehand and finding out what could be potential problems of the day, finding out if the bride has allotted enough time for hair and makeup in the morning, you know, those kind of things. It's good to find out beforehand. And if you don't find out beforehand and you arrive on the day and things go wacko as they sometimes do, it's just important to just take a deep breath yep. and just smile <laughs> yep. and not stress out because if you stress out, you're just going to stress out the couple and that's the last thing you want to do. You, you want to make sure that your couple's having fun and yeah, you just have to have the right attitude, I guess, going into it. Yeah, it really does translate to your ability as a photographer too. If you're so focused on yeah. how frustrated you are in the moment at whatever mm-hmm. didn't go the way that you thought it should go, that gets in the way of focusing on the task at hand, which is to be creative as a photographer and to be able to capture the moments that are happening as you're stressed out <laughs> or as you've right. been stressed out. So yeah, that's that's really, really great advice and, and a good reminder for all of us for sure. What's something that's in your gear bag that you're just kind of obsessed with these days? Well, I just got the Canon 85 1.4 and I love that lens to death. It's, it's just a beautiful lens. It's so sharp and I've enjoyed shooting with it so far. Uh, I'm, I'm team Canon all the way. I, I, I do have Nikon friends and we're okay with each other, but <laughs> um, I'm totally Canon all the way. And so, yes, the Canon 85 is my favorite lens right now. I think it's pretty much on my camera hundred percent of the time at this point. Um, I do shoot with two Canon 5D Mark III bodies. I'm one of those that has to have a camera on each hip all the time um, because I don't like to switch between my lenses too much. Sure. Um, and so I will have those. And then I usually have my 35. Uh, it's a Sigma 35 1.4, which I also love that lens on one hip. And then I have my Canon 85 1.4 on the other. And that's pretty much how I shoot an entire wedding day. That's interesting. So why do you have the one of the Sigma and then one of the Canon? Well, Sigma has come a long way. And their 35 that came out this past year 
got really great reviews and mm-hmm. it's significantly cheaper than the Canon, honestly. So I tried it out and it's a really great lens. I, I love it. So I know I, I did stray a little from the Canon brand. How dare you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what I've been hearing a lot of though, I, actually the podcast as of late is the, the popularity of the Sigma art lenses. Have you experimented with those? Yes. Actually the, the 35 I have is an art lens okay. and I have the 50 also. Okay, cool. Um, I I did try the 85 and I do love the 85, but it didn't have image stabilization on it, which I kind of need sometimes. And Ah, that's what the Canon 85 is. It does have image stabilization and I have shaky hands, so it helps me out a lot. Oh, absolutely. No, that's, that's huge. I still remember learning how to shoot with the, so I shot Nikon and don't, don't hate me too okay. much. Oh, uh, I, I, I actually have, a, I actually have, um, I'm, I'm moving toward the, the, the direction of Canon at this point, but I okay. shot with a Nikon 70 to 200 IS, of course, the image stabilization lens for, for mm-hmm. years and years and learning how to photograph, especially in low light at receptions at, you know, 15th of a second or maybe a 10th of a second. Uh, it was mm-hmm. wonderful to have that image stabilization. But then in yeah. addition to that, also learning just to kind of take a deep breath and and learn to relax my muscles because I actually have, it's a hereditary thing, but mm-hmm. I have a tendency to shaking as well. And okay. so much so that, that actually going to take a picture, especially in low light at a low shutter speed, it was a, a bit of a concerning situation, but I had to force myself to learn to relax so much so that 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 shaking issue has largely gone away altogether. Oh, that's great. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, I know. So I'm I'm wishing yeah. you the same luck with it, but that that made it definitely made all the difference and to have that on a lens like the 85 I mean, and mm-hmm. be able to translate to doing either low light work in receptions or even capture some of those getting ready shots from from a little bit further away or, or portraits, maybe in low light as well. That'd be absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's great when you can count on your equipment to help with any deficiencies you oh, have, yeah. like steady hands. But yeah, and I tend to I tend to be a little shutter happy. So that also creates, you know, a little bit of the shake in there. So it's that lens has just been phenomenal for me to get sharp pictures, despite the fact that I shake a little bit here and there. Well, and that shallow depth of field as well is just so, yes. you know, I mean, these days with the wonderful technology that we have in our phones and the amazing images that, that the phones can capture, uh, even with some of this the, the kind of the digital digital bokeh that they can create, it's not quite the same as, as that shallow depth yeah. of field that we can get with the lenses. It's one of the things that can that actually sets the photography of a professional a photographer apart yeah, these days from absolutely. from technology as it continues to improve with with these phones so that that is that is something that is just beautiful beautiful it makes it makes all the yeah. difference in the world in the final quality of of the image itself let's let's kind of move on to our our topic for the day and it's one of burnout and this is something that i'm sure most, if, if not all, photography business owners can relate to. I've been in the industry almost 20 years. I certainly know that feeling of burnout as a business owner. What does that look and feel like for you? Um, yes, well, I, I definitely think talking about burnout is important, um, especially with you know wedding season going on. And it's so easy after shooting 30 to 40 weddings in a year to just feel completely exhausted. And that's probably the top feeling of burnout is not just feeling tired because you shot like a 10 hour wedding. That's normal, but it's exhaustion that lasts for weeks or months. And it just is that emotional and mental and physical tiredness. It's the sense of having no energy and no lack of motivation. 
kind of like when it's hard to get up in the morning, you're kind of dreading what you have to do that day yeah, yeah. or not feeling like you have no time for anything else and just feeling frustrated about it. It can also be where you're pessimistic about everything and including yourself and your work and just having these, these down feelings. And it can also be just having concentration issues, not being able to focus on things or remember things as much as usual. Those are kind of some of the signs of burnout for me, but I think also for most people in general. And it kind of gets in the way, I mean, all of that then translates to a lack of creativity too, doesn't it? It does. Yes, absolutely. Um, when you're not able to focus on what you're doing, then yes, it can definitely affect your creativity. So what would you say then, I mean, just based on your experience, having, well, just felt what it's like to to get to this place of burnout and see how that affects your personal life and your business. Did you, have you made some connections about what leads to that burnout? What are maybe the top three behaviors that you would say lead to burnout? One of the top things is not saying no. It's when you you say yes to every single project that yeah. comes your way, even the ones that you don't necessarily want to do or they're for, you know, not your ideal client or whatnot. You have to learn how to say no to certain things and just to free up time for yourself too. When I started out, I was saying yes to everything. I was like, you know, the wedding superhero. I was just there. If it was happening, I was there and I had to learn to step back and, say no to some projects that were coming my way. Another thing is just not getting enough downtime. It's very important to find the time to just relax, you know, a little bit and not overstress yourself or to become unhealthy. You have to kind of focus on your body some more. And again, another thing is, you know, just being pessimistic about your work, comparing yourself to others or, allowing, you know, a negative review or criticism to take over your life and your business. Um, Those are kind of some things that, you know, lead to burnout. Yeah. So not saying no, and this is something that has been a bit of a a theme on the podcast as of late, but what enables the, and and, and I want to let you kind of explain what you feel are are the the solutions to these behaviors, but I immediately think about photographers who don't have a, a clear picture of what their business, well, really what their personal life is about. And of course, that translates to what their business is about or what their business model Mm -hmm. is. If you're not clear about that, then it's much more difficult to filter out the stuff that isn't relevant or to very simply say no. And then you're doing Mm -hmm. any and everything. And you're right, that can definitely lead to burnout. Not getting downtime. This is an interesting conversation too, because different people, different business owners are going to need different amounts of downtime. I I refer to Gary Vaynerchuk quite a bit on the podcast because I I, I find a lot of inspiration in him. And he's going 60, 80 hours a week easy and doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to lose any kind of energy or motivation or drive despite working that much. And I I don't personally want to have that lifestyle, but I find it interesting that he's able to do that. Whereas, you know, some of us, we may put in 20 hours of hard work and we're exhausted and we're talking about wanting a break. I don't know if there's a a healthy balance in there or what that actually looks like, but certainly making time to step away from work or at least have other priorities in our life besides work, Mm -hmm. I think is really, really important. And then... Interesting that you mentioned, you mentioned pessimism, but then more specifically comparing yourself to others. 
Uh, and, and of course, tied to that idea is not being comfortable with yourself. That can definitely be exhausting. When you're constantly worried about what other people are thinking, if nothing else, it's at least a, a, a mental exhaustion, an emotional exhaustion, where you're constantly worried about that. Um, I, I've personally experienced that, and I'm still working through this um, for yeah. myself personally. That can definitely mm-hmm. be exhausting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I've had definite moments of where I just kind of wanted to quit because I was so pessimistic about my own abilities and my own talent and creativity. And a lot of it, like I said, came from looking at other people's work and just unfairly judging myself. Hmm. And I think a lot of you know creatives do that, not just in photography, but in any creative field, because it's so subjective. And we are basing our own worth so to speak, on what other people think about our craft and what we've done. It's kind of like I've always said that my work represents who I am. It represents me. So if somebody doesn't like it, I feel like they don't like me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. It's easy to take this stuff personally, especially when we're so passionate about it. Yes. Absolutely. Well, what would you say then, like on a, on a practical kind of tangible level, how can photographers, if, if they have experienced these feelings or are experiencing these feelings, how can they address these behaviors that are leaning to burnout? Well, one thing, and it's probably the most obvious, is that you just need to hit the pause button, um, whether it's for an extended amount of time or just for a little snippet of time, like what I talked about earlier with the commercial breaks. You just have to step back and you know take a whole new perspective on what's going on around you. There's so much more than just work. And I think it's super important to take care of yourself to stay healthy, go to the gym, eat healthy, get sleep. It's so easy to come up with excuses of I don't have time or I have deadlines I have to meet. But just try to find a little snippet of time somewhere in there to do something healthy for you. And, and, you know, just step away and get some rest. Um, Another thing is just to find other creative outlets, something outside of photography. Yes whether it's something like taking a painting class, a totally different medium for creativity, trying a new recipe or going for a hike, getting out in nature and just enjoying something else outside of work. I think that that helps a lot. For me, I have found that just remembering why I'm doing this helps a lot. To go back to that story, like when I told you how I started and my love and passion for weddings, and what it was that made me enjoy it in the beginning. Just to remember that is has helped me so many times get through that moment of burnout or a moment of, I just don't know why I'm doing this or I want to quit. I think you have to have, you have to realize that this career has a deeper purpose for you other than just getting a paycheck. Most of the time, re- rediscovering your purpose can go a long way towards helping you avoid burnout and stress. Um, And another thing I would suggest is if it's not working for you, if there's something in your business that is causing you not to have enough time for yourself and for your family, then you might need to find a different approach, find a different how. And, you know, it could be just analyzing your workflow as it is or analyzing the clients that you're working with or what you're doing in your business that might be totally throwing you off. So those are kind of some of the things that I think are helpful, at least for me when I'm going through those moments. So I want to respond to really, uh, I guess, all of these points, but 
it, it's it's funny to me how, and again, I've been guilty of this, that last point that you mentioned, if something's not working, it may be time to change. It's funny how easy it can be to just to, to feel kind of, well, burnt out or frustrated or otherwise, and yet it's we're comfortable with a particular behavioral pattern and we just get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. And, and while it, like, objectively, from the outside looking in, it's like, well, of course you would change your behavior. Of course you would change your workflow. Of course you would change the genre of photography or your target clients, whatever it might be. You would change that behavior that's causing the problem. When you're in it, mm-hmm. it's so easy to kind of get lost in it and, yeah. and not have that objective reality or object, objective realization, which is, oh, I guess, I guess maybe if it's not working, I should look at, at some way to, to change this or to improve on this. So I think that's a, I mean, as obvious as that might seem, I know right. that we're probably all guilty of not doing that very simple thing. And it's nice to have close friends or family that are willing to give us the yeah. objective feedback that, Hey, you know what? Exactly. You might, you might do this or you might do that. Even, even something like a podcast is, is nice for the sake of perspective or just getting a new perspective, hearing how somebody else is doing it and, and then reevaluating how you're going about running your business. I think that's wonderful advice. Right. Or even finding a mentor, somebody that's gone through all this before and can give you advice and share their stories of when they've gone through these moments can also help. For sure. For sure. And then remembering, the why this is so important as well, and and I alluded to this earlier, but being very very clear about first of all what your personal goals are. I talk about this more specifically in relation to values. Being very clear about your values, let those values translate then, um, at, at, in combination with your strengths to the type of business or business model that you create. Um, but having a bigger why than just I love photography or I love art, which is you know, innately selfish. Um, let it be mm-hmm. about a bigger idea than just you, and and that can make a massive, massive difference in, yeah. in minimizing burnout. That you can go back to that bigger why. I think that's extremely important. And that that why is going to be different for everybody, but making sure that you yeah. have that thing that's bigger than just yourself is so absolutely important. You mentioned hitting right. the pause button, and you mentioned working out too. And of course, this is this is a recommendation or advice that you hear a lot of people give. But I'm curious more specifically how you create even just that short amount of time for the sake of workout because consistency with workouts is key right but it can be, yeah. it can feel difficult at times running a business to have mm-hmm. the time even 20 or 30 minutes to work out how do you create that for yourself debbie i have struggled with that ever since i started my business i used to be an avid fitness person before i started wedding photography and over the years that i've been doing this i have used the excuse of I don't have time to work out. And it's definitely started affecting me more than I thought it would. And I've tried so many things. And I'm one of those people that while I can motivate myself and stay dedicated to something, working out became something that was hard for me to do. Hmm. And I actually ended up joining a gym. I'm going to give a shameless plug to Orange Theory because I joined Orange Theory. And I love it because they basically have an hour workout and it's all interval training and it just goes really fast and it's scheduled every day for a certain period of time. And I found that that keeps me disciplined is to go there every day at a certain time and just get my workout done. And when I'm done with it, I feel amazing and I actually feel ready to go, ready to work and ready to get you know, things done after that. So I think it's just 
super important to get those endorphins and keep yourself healthy. Because I've also found that with weddings, when I was not working out, I wasn't as strong anymore. And I'm carrying all this heavy equipment, which you think, you know, working weddings that you're getting a workout in itself, but it's different. And I've gotten more injuries from it because my body's not as strong as it used to be when I was regularly working out. Interesting. Would you say too that the that the gym creates a certain amount of account- accountability? I mean, is that yeah? Okay, absolutely. so that does play a factor. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's definitely helpful if you have somebody going with you, but even just being surrounded by people doing the exercises with you, it makes it way more motivating than just doing it at home by yourself. You know, with workout videos. Oh, for sure, for sure. And <laughs> what, how long does the workout usually last? It's sixty minutes. Okay. So 60 minutes is, I mean, even to some may seem overwhelming, but I think one of the keys here to consistency, at least I've found uh, for myself anyway, is also establishing kind of realistic goals. And you alluded to this idea earlier uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to to workflow, but even, even with workouts for the sake of consistency, I mean, there's an obvious benefit, multiple benefits to working out, but at the end of the day, if we're busy, it's and it's mm-hmm. it feels tough to get to it. You may not follow through as consistency. Creating a realistic time frame or a realistic goal, whether it's the amount of exercises or the amount of time you're spending exercising, that can help increase the, mm-hmm. the the consistency of that exercise, which again leads to even more benefits. So I think that's really important. The other thing that you mentioned earlier was was other creative outlets as well. And mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of the most enjoyable sides of photography that I've personally experienced has been with my, I have an old Yashica, the twin lens Yashica medium format camera that is completely wow. fully manual. And uh-huh. I, I've seen some beautiful imagery come out of it. But there is something about the manual process of putting that thing on the on the tripod and mm-hmm. having to take my time and set up the shot and then make sure all the settings are correct because it's not doing anything automatically for me. And then snap that little picture. It's got that, that little almost toy-like shutter sound mm-hmm. either with or without a cable release. It, it's a very almost meditative process. And in this day and age where we've got these cameras that'll shoot, you know, 50,000 frames a a second, um, to go to take a step back, take a deep breath and take your time Mm -hmm. with an individual photograph is a really, really almost healing and certainly relaxing process. And that's just one example of how you can explore various creative outlets. Um, What are some examples, Debbie, of how you've done this? Well, one time... Uh, recently I signed up for a jewelry making class as a way to just kind of get a different creative outlet for myself. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a school nearby that does these classes for different, like they do painting, drawing, that kind of stuff. But I decided I was going to try jewelry making and it was um, silversmithing specifically. Okay. But it was just so much fun and it just kind of reignited my inspiration a little bit, just working with this torch and trying to make shapes in the silver. Yeah. And it just gave me something kind of a little different outside of photography. I love that. Well, and and this, again, is going to look different for everyone, but do find a way to break up your creativity as an individual. I I, I tend to be kind of an all or nothing person. When I really get into something, I get into it. And that's kind of all that I do. 
And I know that um, as somebody who also enjoys variety, that that can lead to burnout. So this this recommendation of finding different outlets for your creative bug is is so important as well. I really appreciate yeah. you taking time to kind of share your perspective and your experience regarding this topic. And for those of you listening in, I, I know you may want to to go check out uh, Debbie's work online. Debbie, will you share with our listeners where they can find you online? Sure. My website is www.debbieneffphotography.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And that's on Instagram. I, I already wrote this down, but it's Debbie Neff, D-E-B-B-I-E-N-E-F-F photography. And it's the same on Facebook as well? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So you all make sure that you go check out Debbie's work. And uh, Debbie, thank you so much for making time for sharing with the Boca Podcast listeners today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was so much fun talking to you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.